Welcome to Families for Life with Brian and Brian, a podcast of Oak Hill Baptist Church. On today's episode, we're continuing Manhood Part 5, Godly Husbands, talking about practical steps for a thriving marriage. Welcome back, Brian. What's up, Brian? How's it going, man? Good. Good. I am I am super excited about today. Yeah. And excited about our, our topic. We got a lot to talk about. Yep, plenty so of things, good things. We but need to a we're lot. just we're gonna jump right into it and not have any of the small talk. So yes. I don't care what's going on in your life. <laughs> no, I'm just We've kidding. been hanging out a lot. We were at a graduation last night. We saw each other just a few hours ago. So we're getting tired of each other. Yeah. <laughs> but we do need to mention as we get into today's topic, uh, there are some adult themes. And so, you know, if you, your kids do listen with you, just know that we are gonna be talking about some things. Uh, yeah, it's about marital intimacy exactly. and, you know, talking about sexual purity and things in marriage. And so some of those things, um, you know, especially for little children, you know, they might not be ready. We're going to talk about all this in an appropriate way. You right. know us. It's, right. It's going to be in a biblical appropriate way. But but I really think that uh, every husband, you need to go back and li- if you missed last week, go yes, back and listen to that go first. Listen to last week. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not saying this just because it's me, but I thought it was a great episode that we really laid out the argument of what it means to be a godly husband from the, from the Bible very well. And I think this is kind of the the continuation of that because we've got to talk about what marital intimacy and sexual purity is. You know, um, this is in many ways the thing that will um, damage marriages the most. Yeah, I've counseled many couples. And, um, these are things that, that either it can, it can, sometimes it can be their cause or sometimes it can be the, um, the result of a bad marriage as well. Yeah. I mean, this is like, it's, it's the biggest threat I think to, it, it will, it, it has the potential to absolutely demolish a marriage Yeah, is uh, sexual impurity and, uh, infidelity, um, and just a lack of marital intimacy. Right. And, and, so, and really the Bible spends a lot of time on sexual immorality. I mean, there, Paul spent, you know, you look at first Corinthians and he was dealing with sexual immorality in the church, uh, a lot. And so the first thing we really need to understand is that sex is powerful. Yeah. And I, and I don't, that's kind of duh, because if we look in our culture, I mean, look at advertising, look at movies, look at, I mean, sex sells. Yeah, right. right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's everywhere. You can't, I mean, even like billboards for massages are like, you know, uh, indiscreet. You're like, why is this everywhere? Well, it's because it is powerful because God created us to be um, sexual beings uh, within marriage mm-hmm. between a man and a woman that is clearly detailed in Genesis uh, one and two, right. and so that's very clear. But it is a part of who we are. But um, you know, God does want married couples to have a lot of sex. He wants them to enjoy each other in that way. Yeah, and uh, and to you know bear offspring. Yeah, that's the first thing we need to understand is that God created uh, sex. I mean, this is one of those things that. You know, we have to reclaim this. You know, there is, you know, you look at the world, you know, there is a billion dollar industry in pornography, prostitution, sex traffic. I mean, these are huge problems and these all point to the power of sex. But God created that and man in our sin has perverted this. Yes. And so one of the things we have to understand is the reason sex is so powerful is because it does unite people in body, emotion and soul. It's yeah. it's where God is talking about two becoming one. 
That's that, that's exactly right. And the thought I was just having is that's the problem with this, like you said, the porn industry and things like that, is people have divorced sex from what it is, yeah. what it actually is. It's the culmination. It's the 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 fulfillment of a friendship between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. It, you know, this body, emotion, and soul connection. That that really is just a bond of intimate friendship yeah. that is culminated into a marriage vow that is expressed finally in, in sexual expression. Right. Yeah. It, it, we're to be united with our spouse in this very special and, and sacred way. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the way that we're united with no one else in, in, in the world. That's right. I'm only to be united with this one woman in this way. And that's why, that's why there's so much drama surrounding sex. That's why relationships, people having sex out of out of marriage, yeah. uh, you know, that's why there's just so much emotional um, baggage and and things that go along with this is because they're exercising this in a in a, a good thing in a sinful way. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like it's like there are lots of good things out there. You know, I would say ice cream is a good right, thing. Exactly. But I can't sit down and eat one of those big tubs, those big gallons of ice cream. Number one, I'll be sick. Yeah. Number two, it's not healthy. That's exactly right. And so there's a proper way to enjoy all ice of these cream. things. There's a proper way to enjoy sex. That's exactly right. I mean, God created all of our uh, you know, desires ultimately. And when we it's when we pervert, that means to warp, right? To change, to to take it out of its proper context and put it somewhere it does not belong. And it becomes bad when you do that. So like you said, a desire to eat, a desire to drink, a desire for sex, a desire for everything under the sun can be good until it is perverted and warped and put into the context it was not designed for. Yeah, oftentimes it's when we go outside of the bounds of what God has told us to do. That's when the the sin happens. Well, okay, but a lot of people just totally disagree with that. I mean, they would say they're completely fulfilled. And, and guys, you know, I think especially, I remember growing up and with my friends, we were in high school and dudes would be like, oh, I'm never getting married. I'm going to sleep with as many women as I can. And I'm like, wow, that sounds terrible. Mm-hmm. But they're like, no, nah, man, that's going to be the best life ever. Is it true that sexual impurity is actually bad for us? Like, in what ways? Why is sexual purity so important? Yeah, sexual purity is so important because it's it's something that God talks about. God created it. God shares with us. And even in the fallen world, Paul comes back and, and talks about it. You know, we can look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and this is the, the main reason he's addressing the church in Corinth. Uh, a man had relations with his stepmother. And this was apparently an ongoing relationship. Now, the details are kind of sparse, but Paul, he had, he had a huge problem with people allowing this to go on in the church. This was a known sin. And he equates this to, you know, how a little bit of leaven in the bread mm-hmm. makes it rise. Just a little bit of sexual morality that's tolerated in the church can affect the entire church and the the holiness of, of everyone. And so we're encouraged to strive for holiness. And you know, if we think it doesn't affect us, if, if we think sexual sin doesn't affect the people in our marriage, our family, our church, our community, we are dead wrong. Yeah. Because those things that are done in secret will be exposed and it will ruin many things in our in our lives. Yeah, I think that's the the biggest thing we have to understand is we think that it's just 
well, I'm just, God just doesn't want me to have fun or something like mm. that. And that's not it. It's, it's God has decreed these things because there's a, there's a reason and a purpose like we already talked about. But when we step outside of that, and we step into sexual impurity, we are going to affect everything in our lives. It's going to cause ripple effects in every area of our life. Um, and a lot of times we just think that our life is our own life. Right. But as Christians, I mean, before being a Christian, you're a created person made in God's image. But as a Christian, you don't belong to yourself. You belong to Christ. Right. Like, you don't get to fulfill your desires for you. You're living out your desires for Jesus now. Right. That was the answer that Paul said, is you were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. He said, therefore, glorify God with your bodies. Here's the reality. This is a gospel issue. Yes. Yeah. This is a gospel issue. We are new creations in Christ. Therefore, we should not willingly go into sexual immorality and and allow that to control our lives. Yeah. When we do that, we're saying Jesus is not my Lord. Right. Like when every time we sin, that's what we're doing. We're saying, Jesus, you're not my Lord. You, you're not everything to me. I need something else. And so that's what we're doing when we sin. And there's a remedy to that. So hold on. We're going to get to that. But but that is what we're doing. And guys, when we when we step out and, and look at porn or have lustful thoughts or or anytime you, you do anything that seems to imply I need something more than my wife and I need something more than yeah. Jesus— well, that is sin. Right. And so, so it's so, going to affect you. Yeah. So let's talk about how this plays out in our marriages. Yeah. You know, what what needs to happen? We know that there's a, a sin problem in our in our world. We know that this affects many Christians and and this is a problem in our even our Christian marriages today. Yeah. So the first thing we need to understand is we must only be sexually intimate with our wives. Yeah, there's this thing where it's it, that seems or our spouses. Our I spouse, say. right? Yeah. If you're, you know, female listening, you know, we're talking about spouses, but we're particularly talking about, you know, men and how to be a godly husband. But there's this thing where people, married couples, just don't have sex with each other. Right. And, and here's the thing. Once again, we go back to God's original design. God created sex for Adam and Eve to number one, to procreate, but then also to enjoy one another, to be yeah. bonded as one. So Paul tells us in first Corinthians chapter seven, that we are not to abstain from sex from our spouse. It is very important for us uh, to, to share in that, in that way with each other that yeah. protects us from sexual immorality, number one, but there's just it is so important for us to to make that a priority in our marriages. Yeah, I mean, he says directly, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another. Uh, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, right. but then come together again. And I'm like, man, that's in the Bible. Yeah. Like the Bible's awesome. Well, the church there was assuming that because sexual morality is bad, that all sex was bad. They should right. just avoid it altogether. And Paul yeah, says, no, no, no. If you avoid it in your marriage, that's going to cause you more temptation, yeah. more problems later on. And so this is where we face today is that, there's a common view that that sex is is dirty and wrong and so if act, if Christians 
engage in it, then they're engaging yeah. in something dirty and wrong. And I actually, so that's kind of like throwing the baby out with the bathwater right. here. I know a story of, uh, of uh, uh, an older couple who they'd been married for like 50 years and, uh, and they had several children, but they had never seen each other naked. Oh, gosh. I know. And it was because they had this warped understanding oh, of mm-hmm. sexuality. And so whenever they were intimate, they, the, you know, it was very brief and the lights were all, I mean, everything. And it's like, that's not yeah. what we see in the Bible. Yeah. And so we Paul have to guard says against that. that should be expressed in marriage. And th- that's the way, that's the way we combat sexual immorality. So yeah. we should not abstain. There a short time, if there's a spiritual reason, a devoted time of prayer, but then be reunited with that. And so the, the the problem is in our culture, we have this kind of really bad mindset. And th- this is where we've got to teach our children the right and proper view of, of sex in marriage. Yes. And so, mo- th- so there's two things. A lot of times we just let our kids do whatever. Right. And we well, let them from, let them YouTube learn from culture or, or let them learn from the internet. Yeah. Or we're so restrictive. Like, that we like, don't let them learn anything. That we let them learn anything. Yeah. And so what we've got to do is teach them in the proper way, what it means to, uh, biblically how to think yeah. about these things and to know how these things are expressed. Th- that's the thing. You know, a lot of times parents get really awkward whenever this comes up and, and you know why we feel so awkward when we have to teach these things. It's because we, we have not come to, to grips with the fact that this is normal and good. Mm-hmm. And so if you feel super awkward talking about these things in an appropriate way, um, it might be because you're not really reading what the Bible says or, or not reading it, but like it hasn't really sunken into you um, these truths about how good uh, sex is within the marriage relationship and how and how good and, and godly it is. Well, most you know? of us probably aren't living this out in the in the right way. And that's yeah. that's where people they don't want to talk about it because because they're not so, living it out. Yeah. And, yeah. and that and that can change. That can change. So that's not something to just be you know, upset about for right. forever. This can change. And so once again, have hope. We read the word of God. We let it change That's us. That's right. And this is one of those things that both both partners in the marriage, the man and the woman, need to come together and have yeah. this sort of un- biblical understanding of well, what this is. And I think the culture has a super unrealistic understanding of, of sex. You know, I think that the culture is a really big problem. And like you were saying, if we let the culture teach our kids, like they're going to get married and they're going to be grossly disappointed. Right. right. <laughs> and so we have to really help them out or else they're going to, they're, we're setting them up for failure. Right. Yeah. This, this next thing is to how this plays out in our marriage is don't let anyone else into your marital intimacy. You know, Why, would anybody the, really the do Bible that? The Bible says that and <laughs> Hebrews 13 very clearly says, let marriage be held in honor among all and let mar- let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexual morality and adulterous. Yeah. So, I mean, this is very clear. Our, our vows, our marriage vows are a covenant made before God. Yeah. And that, that matters. Yeah. That means something. And so yeah. I understand that people are in, uh, bad marriages. I'm not saying again, please hear me. I'm not saying if you, if you're in an abusive situation, you need to, you need to separate, get that get help. person, get yeah. help, get the authorities involved, all yes. those things. So I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is if you're in a, a, a bad marriage, a loveless marriage, um, you know, a, a marriage that you're not doing, living out these biblical principles, it's not an excuse to go and look for those things somewhere else. Right. That's we right. have to find, we have to pray and work 
with our spouse, talk to our spouse, communicate and get back on the same page so we can be fulfilled. God has put us in those marriages for a reason and we can be fulfilled in those relationships. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say don't let anyone else into your sexual intimacy or into the the, you know, the marriage bed. And uh, the, the one of the things that I remember that I'm so glad was a part of our vows, mine and, and my wife's vows, they were traditional, you know? It's that one line, forsaking all others. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am forsaking all others in my relationship with my wife. And, right. and what that means is I'm forsaking um, the other women on Instagram. Right. I'm forsaking the women on the internet. I'm forsaking the women on TV. I'm forsaking the women that go to my church. I'm forsaking the women that are in the gym. I'm forsaking uh, the women from my past. Right. I'm forsaking the imaginary women in my mind. Like I'm forsaking them all. And that's something that you have to continue to do. Right. Continue to a forsake lot of time, them. A lot of times we think that if we don't physically act on, um, a, a sexual like like with a physical right. person that we're not committing adultery. Yeah, it's like window shopping. People are like, oh, but I'm just window shopping. What did Jesus uh, say? Yeah, he what said when Jesus you window say? shop, you're committing adultery. When you lust in your mind, it's as if you're committing adultery. That's, that's what right. Jesus told us. And so that's part of the problem is many, many men struggle. There's the battle in, of the eyes and the mind. Yeah. And so that stems to what exactly what you said. It's it's pornography, it's lust, it's... it's um, you know, having, having bad thoughts and things like that. And so if you are a guy who's stuck in that, there are some, there's, there's ways to get free from that. Well, before, yeah, we get to that. I think it's important. And we were talking about this before we started the podcast is the fact that this is going to happen to guys. Yeah. Like, like this is, this is a reality for, for guys. And I know it is for women. So the way that men are wired is very visual aroused, very visually. And so that's why, I mean, look, that's why men are right. so attacked in this area in yes. this way. And so men have to fight back. This is not an excuse. No. Just because not we struggle excuse. with the temptation, it's not an excuse. But I do want women to understand and to and to this is a great way you can pray for your husband yeah. in this way because um, Satan loves to attack men in this way. And we're very susceptible to that attack. And yep. so don't be like freaked out grossed out. No. And I mean, if you need to have those real conversations and say, listen, you're struggling with X, you need to get help. Yeah. And have that conversation. It's it's difficult. Go ahead. But also don't be like, don't ever touch me again. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, now it depends on the situation we're talking about, but let's just say, you know, your husband shares with you, you know, I'm struggling. Uh, you know, I was at the gym and there were half naked women there because that's the way they work out nowadays. And uh, and and I like looked at them longer than I should have. You know, something like that. And and you know, you 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 freak out on them. One of the things that's important to understand is like um, a lot of the time it's not personal. Like it's you know what I mean. Right. It's not. It's not like they are purposefully. Uh, you know, rejecting love for you. Right. And so, um, but it could be, especially, and that's the thing you guys have to work right. that out. Especially so that's if he's a, a godly man who's trying to, to pursue Christ. Exactly. Encourage him in that way to, to, you know, if he's, if he's confessing these things to you, that's, that's a good thing. And, yes. And really, that's exactly the point. That's the first thing is repentance. You know, right. if, if guys, if you're struggling with this, you have to repent. And that means confess. I, one of my most favorite verses in this vein is James 5.16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So 
we confess to the Lord, we repent, but then there's something about confessing to each other. And it it doesn't always have to be your spouse. Right. It can be a brother or sister in Christ. Yeah. Men confessing to men, women confessing to women. Um, but I think that there is a a way to do that and you will find healing because what happens is the sin, when it's in sin thrives in the darkness. When, yes, when, when it's you bring in, it to light, when it's though. in secret, it yeah. grows and it thrives and yeah. it will eat you alive. Yes. But when you drag it out into the light, when you confess it to somebody, it it robs it of its power. It does. Yep. This happens. This is for every sin that yep. you have in your life. If you will confess it, you will rob the sin of its power, and you will begin to be healed by the Holy Spirit, by the Lord. Yep. Yeah, Jesus talks about bringing things into the light because walking in the light, it's the only way to really kill, like you said, to kill that sin. And so, you know, I would say be careful, guys, you know, uh, confessing. You need to be confessing, but make sure it's to somebody who you can trust and make sure it's to somebody who isn't going to just like... Be like, oh, okay, we'll try try harder next time, buddy. You know, it's got to be somebody who's well, really going to help you out. That's the next thing. You need to get accountability. And so we need to have accountability with... Like real accountability. With somebody that will that will challenge us and ask the hard questions mm-hmm. and get, get in our face to know, okay... I'm not walking with the Lord. They're challenging me to walk with the Lord. So that's yeah. there. You need that one-on-one accountability. You also might need accountability with your electronics. And, mm, yes, and there absolutely. are there are a lot of programs out there, a lot of things that you can put on your computer, your phone, all those things to have that accountability. So you know, once again, when when we get into sin. The way that the way that sin happens is when oppor- when there's a lack of accountability and there's opportunity. Yeah. Sin can if there's no opportunity, but but there's accountability, it won't happen. If right. there's no accountability but there's no opportunity, it won't happen. You have both of those things. You have an mm-hmm. opportunity to sin and yep. you have no accountability. That's when sin has a field day. That's right. So if you if you have many of us have the opportunity because we have our phones everywhere. Right. Right. So we must have the accountability. Yeah, this is this is a principle in a lot of other things called redundancy, right? You know, like if you're rock climbing, you're going to have multiple different uh, fail-safes because if the rope breaks, you're, you're going to need another fail-safe to keep you from falling to your death. Right. If the gear breaks, you're going to need something else connected. So you always have multiple redundancies. Right. And so that's what you need in your life is a, an accountability with your devices, with your technology, because... Because again, like you said, that's the opportunity. But you need an accountability with a with another guy who you can talk to, who's going to really help you weed these things out. He's not going to let you think on and dwell on uh, sinful things. Right. I, I heard a I heard a guy preaching about Joseph and um, and the issue with Potiphar's wife. And one of the things he said was, if Joseph had been um, entertaining sinful ideas about Potiphar's wife in his mind. He would have fallen instantly. Right. And so we need guys in our lives who are going to hear us, you know, say, hey, man, I had this terrible, you know, thought. And we need guys that are going to that are going to really push into us and say, hey, let's kill that thought together. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. And the last thing really is to set up practical boundaries. So like when we here's the thing about when you repent, repentance is not just saying, oh, I'm sorry. And then continuing on. Right. Yeah. That's that's not what we're talking about. (laughs) Is up is asking for forgiveness and apologizing, but it's also going and changing 
your how situation. you operate, changing right. the situation. And yep. so, you know, it may be when does when does the temptation happen occur, to you? That's you know, right. and and you need to change how your life is structured and how things happen and take away that opportunity or take away or or add the accountability to help you not have that temptation in your life. And so those are things, repent, confess, get accountability, make those changes. You can't, here's the thing, men, women, you can overcome sexual sin. You can. Now there's always going to be that temptation there. Like you said, we walk into the gym there mm-hmm. are there are women dressed in very tight clothes. We and have dudes to, too. So I'm not saying it's only to, women. You we know. have to, and in that way, we we recognize that, and right. we will orient ourselves in a way to where we're using a different piece of equipment or or turning the other way, so we're not tempted. But that's always going to be a temptation. But we must be, if we are walking in the spirit, and we've got these other things under control, the secret things, those yes. that time, then it will be much easier to to battle those temptations that just pop up in life. Yeah, and and we have to be careful and and I hope I I want to clarify. I don't want any of our listeners to think like we can't blame other people for our own sin. Right. You know? Like it's our sin. Like, well, I would love for all women to dress modestly, but right. but it's ultimately the lust is my problem. That's right. It's not their problem. That's exactly right. And so we have to understand that it's our heart problem. And ultimately, so these are practical steps that we can take, but all of these practical steps come down to what we love the most. Right. Who do we love the most? And I'm not talking about your wife, guys. I'm talking about Jesus. Right. Do we love Jesus more than anything? Right. And are we willing to do what it takes to put him first? You know, priorities, I was talking to my wife this morning about this. Priorities don't just make themselves first. You've got to put the energy into making your priority first. You've got to carve out the time. You've got to wrestle all the other things away out of your life in order to make the priority actually first. And that's frustrating because I wish that it was easier, but it's not. And so if I love Jesus, then I'm going to have to I'm going to have to really orient my whole life towards that. Mm. And if we're not careful, what's going to happen is the worst thing that we can do in our marriages, and that's committing full-on physical adultery, Mm -hmm. uh, an affair. And so what we need to do is if we love Jesus and he is helping us love our wife, our our closest neighbor, right, then we need to affair-proof our marriage. And there are some really good things here that, Brian, I think you got from Jerry B. Jenkins. Yeah, there's a book called Hedges. Yeah. Uh, and I think that he and what he's saying is, you know, you know, hedges are like those bushes that separate the mm-hmm. yard or whatever. You put these up as a protection as you go in life. And so there's this sort of uh idea that we need to put up these hedges yeah. so we can protect our <laughs> marital intimacy. Yeah, I love seeing people building new houses and you all one of the first things you always see is they start planting a bunch of trees along the right. edges of their mm-hmm. because they're they're building in privacy. Right. And so that's what we're talking about here. So before we look at those boundaries, let's understand how uh, an affair happens. It doesn't just one day you decide, "Oh, I'm going to go <laughs> yeah. have an affair." That just doesn't happen. It, it's built up over time. When when a man or a woman uh, doesn't feel appreciated. They don't feel loved. They go looking to have those needs met by someone else. And it might be unintentionally, it might be innocent, but, but it happens, you yeah. know, maybe there's a woman at work that pays you a lot of attention and thinks you hung the moon and compliments you and strokes your ego. And you might have start to have feelings for her. You know, the reality is this can, this can happen to anyone if we don't protect ourselves. Yeah. You know, we think about if you're in a marriage, 
you know, oftentimes men, women are, want that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. Men want the physical connection. If one person is not giving that to the other person, that cycle breaks down. Well, then there's an opportunity for them to go look for that elsewhere. S- elsewhere. Yeah. And so that's how, that's how that happens. So, yeah, I think that's really good, Brian, because if we're not careful, we're going to start paying attention to the the needs that we have in our own marriage. And then as we're looking elsewhere, we might not even be doing it on purpose, but you know, we're not spending time with God. We're not seeing the closeness in our friendship. And I really think that's huge, Brian. I think that your friendship with your spouse is vital to this marital intimacy. And when your friendship with your spouse is suffering, you will seek to find friendship like you said, elsewhere. And that is when you are on the road to an affair. Yeah, that's how it begins as an innocent friendship, you know, and, and I kind of have a pet peeve. People talk about their work wife or their work husband. I, I hate that. I never I heard that, that before. That would throw me. You oh, never heard that? No, I've not heard oh, that. They talk that about would drive all the me time. crazy. People talk about all the time. Oh, that's my work husband. That's my work wife. Oh, that grosses and, me out. <laughs> and I would I would encourage people not to use that, not to have those that terminology because husband and wife is a special designation. And so... Um, yeah, if anybody else referred to my wife as their work wife, I would be like, dude, I'm going to beat you uh, up. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> here's my personality coming out, guys. <laughs> so here's the here that's the problem and that's why we need uh, boundaries. So we need to grow these hedges to protect our marriage because here's the thing, adultery is is desensitized in our culture. Marriage in our culture is trash. I mean, divorce is the norm, you know, we don't fight, you know, if, if we fall in and out of love, we just get a divorce, you know, we just, that's our automatic. There's a problem. We're not getting along, no fault divorce. Boom. We're out. Yeah. You know? And so, uh, Steve Farrar says, you know, in regards to adultery, he says, we've become used to it. Adultery used to mean betrayal. Adultery used to jar and jolt our moral sensibilities. Now it only means a guy was trying to find himself. We describe it as a momentary lapse of judgment. Well, and that's what's crazy to me is that when adultery happens to you, it still is betrayal. Like people still feel this way, but we've started calling it and talking about it like it's not that. Right. So we're saying one thing, but but experiencing something totally different mm-hmm. so that we can simply get what we want. Right. And I think that that's the, what it comes down to, guys. Well, and here's the reality. Men and women are looking for something else in, in another relationship. Right. But the problem is, this is another thing that Steve Farrar says. He says, the problem is this. When you leave your wife or your spouse to commit mm. adultery with another person, you take yourself with you. Folks, Yeah, listen, that's the problem. You are your biggest problem. Right. Your spouse is not your biggest problem. You are your, big, you are oh. your biggest problem. That it's, is it's your heart. Preach. Yeah. It it is you've got to let Jesus work on your heart. Yeah. And that will that will help your marriage to be a fulfilling and joyful marriage. Because that again, like you said, that's that is the problem. We are trying to get what we want, but but if that's like that's my problem. I'm always going to be casting somebody else away in order to get what I want, whether it's my current wife, my next wife, or my third wife, you know, that's just a cycle. And until Christ, I give Jesus my heart and I let him really make me, you know, different and not all about myself, then this isn't going to go away. It's not going to stop. Right. So that's the first thing is we have to understand that um, we are prone to this and we have to really 
guard the uh, the friendship of the marriage, yeah, and so, then we have to set some real boundaries. Yeah, let's talk about these boundaries that we can do. The first and, and most important is is the marriage vow. We need to make sure we hold our marriage vow sacred. It is a covenant. You know, we wear our ring as a as a commitment. Yeah, and we need to be constantly reminded of that. There's no option to go back. You know, it's like this is I'm in this for life. And yeah. once again, Farrar. Uh, in the book, Point Man talks about Hernando Cortez, where they landed in what is now Mexico, and they burned Burn the, the ships. ships. There's no going back. Yeah, we're only moving this is it, forward. Boys. Like we go forward, and yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, when God made th- this is the thing. Marriage is a it is a covenant. Mm-hmm. You're making promises to your spouse and to God. Right. That's what makes this mm-hmm. thing so vital. And when God makes covenants, I mean, the covenant with Abraham. Uh, do you remember that? Uh, where he's, you know, right. The if you break the covenant, there were dire consequences. You should go read right. that. Well, I many of us in our vows said in sickness and in health, for better or for worse, in good times and in bad times. You know, we, we say these things, but here's the thing: God, God holds us to that. He takes right. us at our word. When we make those vows, it should mean something. So listen. There's going to be good times in your marriage. There's going to be bad, bad times. times in your marriage. That yeah. does not negate the vow that right. you made. So right. we must hold our marriage vow. Uh, sacred. So what's number two? Yeah. Don't spend time alone with another woman. Um, I know that the, like literally, I know that people would actually yell in my face so can if we I talk, were to say this in can public. Can we talk about this for a second? Yes. Vice President Pence a few years ago mm-hmm. uh, expressed that he did not meet with women alone. Right. Uh, and that really caused him a lot of a lot of heart. Now it didn't say he never said I don't meet with women. I don't talk. In fact, he had, yeah. he had a he had That's a not- he worked with many women in in Indiana in the in the federal government. I mean, all the places he you have to. I mean, right. there there are women everywhere. And he was he was a great. But listen, here's the thing about Mike Pence, uh, Christian man, never accused of having an affair, never inappropriate. Right. Uh, advance on a woman because he did. He loved his he wife and he w- had these principles. This actually is the Billy Graham principle. Yeah. This goes back to Billy Graham where he said, I'm not going to spend time alone with another woman. And we as ministers take that seriously. Now mm-hmm. I have to work with women. You have to work with women in ministry. Women right. are a valuable part of our ministries. Right. And so we treasure them and value them and God uses them. But we make sure that we are meeting with them and communicating with them in an appropriate way. I yep. don't meet with women alone. I don't meet with them late at church. If if there's a counseling situation that has to happen, I bring my wife with me. Or we've even had an emergency counseling situation where we've asked each other to stay and just be here on site. We always meet in a room with the door open right. or has a window has in the door. Yeah. We make sure somebody knows where we're at because right. I don't want to meet with a woman alone to protect them and to protect me. Yep. And that that is so big. And, you know, people are like, oh, well, then you think that you're going to do this. Be like, yeah, like. I, I don't know that I'm going to do anything. Well, the moment but we the think we're is, above that's sinning, exactly right. The moment we think we're above sinning is when Satan yeah. will have a field day with tempting us. We can't be arrogant enough to think that we're going to be like Joseph, you know, because you know God was with Joseph and He is with us, and and hopefully, if that were to happen. But that's the thing: Joseph didn't put himself into that position. Well, and let me give you an, an opposite: is David. Look what happened to him. Exactly, he gave himself the he opportunity. He did put himself in that position. He had lack of accountability and opportunity opportunity in yep. that situation and he committed adultery. Yep. So if you're putting yourself into that position, you're already that's already a, a sign like whoa, you you need to watch yourself, right? And so and, so all so. that means is 
all that means is make sure that you, when you're when you're interacting with the opposite sex, this actually goes both ways. You know, when when we were writing this and thinking about this, we were thinking about men, right? But this actually goes. Oh yeah. This actually goes both ways. Uh, women don't meet with guys yes. alone that aren't your that aren't your husband, especially in a situation where you where there's no one knows where you're at, no one knows right. what you're doing. Make sure that you are you have that accountability, and there's not that opportunity for temptation. Yeah, and and you know what, this might be seem like you know oh well that's just you know old fashioned and yada yada, and that's fine. I I really don't care if people think that way because I'm more concerned about protecting my marriage and I'm more concerned about other people protecting your own marriages and and doing these things. And so well, we rather, have to be okay with people not liking this. Yeah, I'd rather be call it old fashioned than uh, get divorced and ruin my life, affair. you know? And so, yeah, I, I would rather do that. But here's another thing that we need to do is keep your hands to yourself. Yeah. This is the thing, men, men and women, both, you know, we are, uh, sometimes, you know, we're, we, people are affectionate people and, yeah. and I understand that, but we've got to recognize that our, our touches can mean different things to different people. I'm right. not talking about handshakes. I'm not right, talking right, about right. that, but I'm talking about, uh, you know, inappropriate hugs. I'm talking about, uh, rubbing somebody's shoulders. You know, I'm, I'm talking right. about these types well, of things. Well, it's like even in handshakes, it's like you can, you can ruin a handshake by holding on too long. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's, it's those little things that are culturally appropriate. And so you have to watch out where you're at listening to this, what works in your culture, but like a hug that lasts too long or is too tight or is to, you know, whatever. Um, so I don't, we don't even know exactly every detail of what right. this means. Mm-hmm. It just means be careful. Right. That's all it means. And all, along with that is watch what you say and how you say it. Yeah. It's okay to give someone compliments, but um, we, we as men need to be very careful on how we talk to other women. Make sure you're not focused on appearance. If keep the compliments professional, you know, if you're in a working environment, you know, Hey, you did a great job on that presentation. You know, I would never walk up to a woman and say, boy, you look great today. Right. You know, (laughs) that's just not appropriate Mm -hmm. for a married Christian man to be complimenting a woman in, in that way. Well, and again, I think this comes down to a lot of it, a really, I think the most of it does come down to how you say it and how frequently you do that. Mm -hmm. So like if you're constantly complimenting somebody, um, that that could be that could be a problem and and especially the way you're doing it there's one way to say wow did you change your hair that looks great or wow your hair looks amazing right exactly. like that, there are two ways to do this and we have to be just careful about it one of the things that i've implemented is to make make it personal and so you know when you are working with someone, whether it's a, a man or if, if you're a woman working with a man or a man working with a woman, uh, really try to get to know their spouse, yes. get to know their life, their children, things like that. Because, you know, here's the thing they're when they're not a real person, when that, when the marriage yeah. doesn't seem real in your mind or the kids don't seem real, then the temptation can kind of run wild. But when you put real flesh Mm -hmm. to that marriage and to that relationship, then you kind of see, okay, this is a personal thing. I would never want to hurt that person. I would never want to hurt my wife. I would never want to hurt their spouse. And so I often uh, make it a point to get to know the entire family when I am working with 
d- women in ministry, especially. Yeah, because then what you're doing is you're not making it about you and right. your relationship with whoever. It's right. it's more about these other people and right. and your love for them. Well, and I their want whole them to know that, that they can trust me. I'm trying to pursue Christ right. as a pastor in all my relationships, and so I want them to be able to trust me. I want women to be able to trust me. And, and, you know, pastors get a, a really bad rap yeah. because they take advantage of women. They, you know, there are many pastors that have had affairs and have been sexually yeah. immoral. I want to be the pastor that women know that they can trust because I'm trying to love them as Christ loves them. Right. And so I would say one practical way to know whether or not you're doing this well is if you are at something, a function or, or an event, and your friends, a husband and wife are there. Mm-hmm. And guy, guys, if you're only talking to the wife and you're not, you know, engaging the husband at all, um, you might want to think about how you're doing that, how you're going about that. Maybe you need to try to talk to that husband a little bit more. Um, and maybe he's just kind of a stoic dude that you can't really get along with. That's okay. At least continue to try right. because that is very important. Yeah. What's the last one? Yeah, we need to spend time with our own wives. Uh, shocker. <laughs> Whoa. <What? laughs> um, but you know, it does seem like a no brainer, like a duh sort of thing. But this again goes back to why affairs happen. It's because we're not investing in the friendships that we have with our wives. I tell people all the time, your wife should be your best friend. Hmm. That's, that's the reality. And if you're wife, cause think about it, what makes relationships good? It's not Anything other than friendship. What makes a work relationship good? What makes a, a, a husband and wife relationship good? What makes a father and son or a, a mother and daughter relationship good? Yeah. It's your friendship, mm-hmm. whether or not you love each other as friends. Yeah, I love to see when when spouses take interest in each other's like hobbies and things. You know, what happens oftentimes, men and women can be so different in what they enjoy and mm-hmm. what they like. You know, but trying to trying to work on that, you know, a, a wife I've seen a wife uh, uh, go go fishing with her husband. She doesn't like fishing in particular, mm-hmm. but she wants to spend time with him and vice versa. The, the, the husband takes interest in his wife. Maybe she likes to uh, do crafts and does craft fair. So he goes and he unloads and helps set up and right. does the craft fair with her. Not because he likes crafting, but he wants to spend time with his wife. That's right. And so those type of things. Are, are so important to keep that interest in each other. Don't just say, well, you've got your life and I've got my life. Right. Really try to connect those things together. Yeah, and you might have to start new things. If you, yeah. I, I have a friend, we were talking, he's been married three years now, and he was saying, you know, the coolest thing about our marriage is we are so different. We've had to try new things mm-hmm. to find stuff that we both like to do. Yeah. And they're doing things that they never thought, you know, they're, they're, yeah. And they're having a lot of fun together. Right. And, uh, and he was like, that's been really cool. It was hard at first, yeah. but it, it got good. It does take work. You know, my wife and my, um, like movie and TV show taste could right. not be different. <laughs> so we have to work really hard to try to find things that we both enjoy. And sometimes like she'll just watch something that I like, or I'll watch something that she likes right. just for the fact that we want to spend time together right. and it's like i don't care about this you know jane austen movie or whatever <laughs> but i'll sit and watch it i'll watch it yeah and, yeah you know 
And, well, but um, you find sometimes you do, you, you try things and you're like, wow, I actually did enjoy that. You know, it happens sometimes. I did not enjoy the Jane well, Austen Maybe movie. not Jane Austen, but <laughs> you need to watch more movies. That, no, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, I think these are all really important things. And guys, we have to own this. You know, we yeah. can't just blame our wives for not having a loving relationship. That's, yeah. that's a thing. You know, a lot of times people have a loveless marriage is what we call it. Yeah, this is, this is really a, a problem. You may think, wow. Wow, that's all great, but but I'm in a loveless marriage. I right. I don't love my spouse. They don't love me. We haven't been intimate in years. Well, first off, we need to stop feeling sorry for ourselves. Right. That's the first thing. We've got to own our part in that, especially if we're the husband. Yeah. We've got to stop feeling sorry. We've got to be the leader. Yes. The reason that we're in a loveless, passionless relationship, it's it, we've got to take responsibility. It's it's because of us. So we confess that to Jesus, and we look for for help. One of the things I find interesting in a lot of counseling situations is that a lot of times um, the wife has done something wrong and it's brought the problem to a head. Like mm. they've got to fix the problem. And when you start figuring out what what happened and brought the, the wife to have, this is just anecdotal, okay? It doesn't always happen this way, but a lot of times it does. And every time this happens though, it always comes down to the fact that the husband is just not taking responsibility for his family, himself, his wife. He just isn't taking responsibility. And so it's not to excuse what the wife has done, but it is to show what the actual problem is. You know, guys, we are the men and we have to be men in our marriage. And that means we have to we have to turn on the heat sometimes. We have to be romantic we have to pursue our wives. Yeah. We have to make them the most important things in our life, except for Christ. Yeah. We well, have to do that. And I would encourage you, don't just go make a huge declaration to your wife and yes. say, I'm going to fix, I'm going to love you <laughs> and we're going to have more sex, you know. Uh, yeah. Really, you know, one of the things I think is helpful, this is kind of an older book, but the Love Dare Challenge, yes. uh, it really helps you think about your your wife in the sense of as a whole person and thinking about what they like, you know, what they dislike, you know, how, how to really think about them and how to really re-engage and date them again. So I would encourage guys to, to do that Yes, and, and take it seriously. It's like a 30 day or 40 day challenge and do those things. So simply just, just take it day by day and, and you will see your marriage transform. You pray, yeah. number one, you seek the Lord. Yes. And then number two, start to make those changes in small ways. Like I think the yeah. first day is to find uh, a way to compliment your wife. Mm. Well, if you're in a loveless marriage, you're probably not complimenting each other. Right. So if you just randomly are like, hey, you look good today, mm -hmm. that's going to, that's going to, her jaws is going to drop yep. because she does not going to expect that yep. from you. Or if you show up, I think one of the days of the Love Dare Challenge is like bring home an unexpected gift. Mm -hmm. She's just going to be like, who is this yep. guy? You yep. know? And it's going to be great. I mean, and that's the thing about it. Like you're saying, like, don't make sweeping declarations. Just do it. Like words don't matter. It's the actions that and, matter. And women, if you're if you're listening to this, you can do the same thing for your you husband. Know, that's a good point because guys guys do enjoy being told that they look good. You know things like that. You know these these are not only one way or the other. Right. You know it, there are kind of 
universal, you know, general truths that apply to one and or the yeah, other. Tell your husband, man, you look strong today. Yeah, seriously, that that would do. I mean, you know, uh, don't lie, <laughs> don't lie. We're not gonna lie. That's the thing. Encouraging things are not lies. So find ways to do it without lying. Oh my gosh, I'm dying. Okay, the last thing. Let's finish this up here. The last thing that we need to the final admonition for marriages is, is be, a team. be a team. We've been hitting on this the entire time. This is a, a big theme of what we've talked about. Brian, you mentioned things about friendship. You know, I mean, this, 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 this goes to, to everything. Our spouse is not our enemy. Yeah. And oftentimes we treat our spouse as an enemy. We must treat our spouse as a teammate. Think yeah. of, think of them as someone that's on your side, side by side, you know, taking on, taking on life. You know, I, that a marriage cannot function if if they're not a team. That's right. It's, that's just that's just bottom line. And that's why that's why focusing on Christ is so important because Jesus is the one who makes us able to love someone else as much as we love ourselves. Right. I mean, guys, we're called to love our wives as we love ourselves. We're called to love our wives the way Jesus loves the church. And the only way we can do that is if we are holding on to Christ and he's transforming our heart each and every day because we are prone to love ourselves first and only. Right. But when Jesus is first, that's when we're able to love our wives. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we don't have to have loveless marriages. Right. We don't have to fall to sexual morality or lust or affairs. Listen, God wants us to have an amazing, fulfilling, God has designed yes. this to have to be awesome. an awesome marriage. Yes. And, and, and it's, if we would lean in and seek the Lord and, and really invest in our spouse, we could see all of these things transform in our lives. Yeah, man, I hope, listener, I, I really do hope and pray. You know, we all have to work this out in our own families, in our own way. But I hope and pray that you've heard these points and you have taken the, the truth of God's word seriously because, man, I really would love to, to know about ways that God has transformed your marriage. So, so give this stuff a try and then let us know how it goes. We would love to know how things are going in your marriage. Like we, we, we really mean this. We want this to be a helpful tool to you. So yeah. let us know how it goes. Give yeah. this a real good shot yeah. and let us know. Well, that's great. Well, I think that wraps up this episode next week. We're going to talk about what it means to be a godly father. Mm. And so we're going to talk about one of the most challenging things that uh, <laughs> uh, one of the most uh, the challenging things that a man can ever endeavor to do is to be a godly father. Yeah. One of the, one of the best things, best things, but also challenging. Challenging. Yeah. Yes, I it's agree. Good stuff. So. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks All right. for listening. We'll see, we'll see you next, next time. time. I will say this. I went back and listened to the entire episode last week. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. Yeah. I, I, I thought it was one of our best episodes, actually. I don't know that I listened to that one all the way. I listened to the one before that. The one year anniversary. I think I listened to the anniversary That one was one. good. It was yeah, more but, random. Yeah. It was more random thought. Yeah. That's okay, though. Right. It, it was a different thing. Yeah. Uh, but I did think. I, I'll go I listen really to it. thought we did a good job. I'm not just trying to pat ourselves on the back. but No. Yeah. I l try to listen to it with like fresh ears. Mm -hmm. Like, um. I mean, what are these yahoos talking about? Like, man, this is so good. <laughs> this is the best podcast, and now I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> no. I'm no, usually, that's cool. I'm usually I'll, I'll pretty hard on it. myself, so anyway. I, I don't listen to it a lot because I don't – I just – I don't know.
I just don't want to. I don't like to hear the sound of my voice. Mm-hmm. I sound like that. And I don't want to like hear something good and be like, oh yeah. You know, I don't want to, I don't want either way. I don't want to be like, man, really I suck or man, I'm awesome. Like, you know, so I don't like that. So I just ignore it. <laughs> just say, I'll keep you humble. Don't worry. Thanks. Good. That's what we're there for—to keep each other, keep each humble. other humble. Like you're, you're, you're a piece of trash. Yeah, <laughs> you stink. 